Welcome to the Kaha Club. Roll up. Let's take a rip. Let me tell you the world is yours. Yeah, bish. And hello, uh, Kaha Club. This will be MMA episode number 15. Uh, I'll be talking about UFC 237, Rose Thug Yunus versus Jessica Andrade. Um, and I'll speak uh, from the first fight to the end. So I'll be talking about the early prelims and the prelims. Um, and then the main card, obviously. So if you're only interested in the main card, I'm going to have a little pause uh in the episode and play stupid ad there and I'll listen in this description when that is so if you just want to jump to then and listen to the main card you could do that um, so with that being said uh, the early prelims are going to start at 6.15pm eastern time on ESPN plus uh, and they're coming out of I don't know how to say the arena's name so it's uh, out of a, an arena out of a uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and this is, of course, uh, Saturday, May 11th, two days from now. Um, and yeah, uh, first fight of the match, this was actually going to be, and I haven't seen either of these fighters fight or actually heard of them, um, but um, it was going to be a ranked match to start off the night on the early prelims, which is very rare. In the women's uh, 135 bantamweight division, but uh, Melissa Gatto backed out. Uh, I'm, I believe it was for uh, medical reasons, uh, but she backed out yesterday. And Vivian Arayuayo uh, is stepping in on short notice, literally four days notice or three or four days notice, and. Stepping in there versus number 15 ranked, uh, Taliata Bernardo. Um, as far as she goes, she is 6-3 and three overall in her professional MMA career. She's um, 32, 32 years old, uh, only 1-2 and two in the UFC. Uh, but she won her last fight versus Sarah Moraz. Uh, and she has had four submission wins in her past, so she's... Finished four of her six wins by submission. Um, is a ranked individual. I have not seen her fight, so I can't really speak on her technical technical approach or anything like that. Um, as far as Vivian Arroyo, um, she's six and one in her professional career. This will be her UFC debut. Uh, like I said earlier, on three or four days notice. Uh, she's currently on a third uh, three fight winning streak. Uh, was in the UFC. Um, but nonetheless, it's, you still win three straight fights in a row. That's pretty good. Um, she's had two, uh, finishes. Well, she's had six finishes, so she's finished all of her wins, four of them by submission, two of them by TKO or knockout. Um, so we'll see how she does stepping in there short notice. Uh, I guess learn a little about her and she'll be making her USA debut. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's always pretty cool to see. I mean, it sucks that people have to fight on short notice but I think it's cool and especially for younger fighters out there people coming up in the quote-unquote fight game uh, you it's really a year-round sport and you got to be training all the time even though there is like fight camps organized and things like that where you work on 
certain techniques versus your opponent. Um, you know, that I think will execute well out there in the octagon. But, um, you know, especially up and coming, you got to stay ready in case, you know, the UFC does call and like, shit, we need somebody literally four days out. Uh, do you know anyone? And, you know, although it sucks and she's fighting a ranked fighter, I haven't seen her before, but I'm assuming she's going to be a heavy uh, underdog. I don't think there's odds out yet. Uh, I don't see any. Um, but I'm assuming she, yeah, Talita Bernardo will be a heavy favorite. Uh, but, yeah, is what it is. And I guess look forward to that. Uh, second fight of the night is between Roani Barcelos and Carlos Hachin. Hachin. I'm uh, just butcher everybody's names. <laughs> um, and speaking of heavy underdog, Carlos is a plus uh, six fifty underdog, and while Barcelos is a minus one thousand favorite. Uh, this is at 135 Bantamweight men's division. Barcelos is 13-1 in his professional career. Carlos Hachin is 10-3-1. Um, Barcelos is 32 years old. He's 2-0 in the UFC. And he got his uh, he won his last fight versus Chris uh, Gutierrez in the second round by rear naked choke. That's pretty impressive. Um so he's at least established himself on the UFC circuit somewhat, you know, two wins. Um, he's had seven uh, TKO or knockouts in the past and two submission victories. And he's lost, his only loss was by submission as well. Um, as far as Carlos, uh, Carlos Pero Malo Hachin, that's his name. So bad dog, I, I believe. Um, yeah. It looks like he's from, is he from Mexico? Is that the flag? The flag's really small on my laptop, so I can't really tell. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all my my country flags, so I apologize. <laughs> um, Carlos is 22 years old. Uh, this He'll be making his UFC debut. Uh, he's got eight uh, finishes by TKO or knockout and two by submission. Uh, so he's finished all of his wins. Um, yeah, and good luck uh, being a, a large, uh, you know, large underdog and making your debut versus Barcelos in his hometown. Of, I don't know if it's his hometown, but it's his native country of Brazil. Um, so definitely good luck with that. Uh uh, 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 <laughs> fucking hate myself. Um, but, uh, next, next fight is between Warley Alves and Sergio Moraes. Alves is 13-3 in his professional career. He's 28 years old. He was actually an Ultimate Fighter Brazil 3 winner. He's 5-3 and three in his UFC uh, career. He he's had two TKO or knockouts and seven submission wins out of his thirteen wins. So he's finished nine of his thirteen. And this is a one seventy welterweight bout, by the way. 
Uh, but he lost his last fight versus James Kraus by second round knockout. Uh, in his past, though, he has wins over Sultan Aliu, Colby Covington, Nordin Talib, who we saw fight last week and looked amazing, Nala Jumban. Um, all solid UFC fighters. Uh, Orleal is, is obviously a solid UFC fighter if you've paid attention at all. Um, you know, he's a UFC veteran. He's got eight, eight uh, fights in the UFC now. And we can say the same about Sergio Marais, who's 14-5-1 in his overall MMA career. He's uh, currently 36 years old, nicknamed the Panther, Sergio the Panther Marais. Um, he was actually on the Ultimate Fighter Brazil 1. He didn't win it, but he was on it. I believe he lost in the semifinals. But, uh, you know, Alvarez was on Ultimate Fighter Brazil 3. Marais was on Ultimate Fighter Brazil 1. So that just gives you an idea of the generational gap there. Uh, Marais, 36. Alves, 28. Um, as far as Marais, he's 8-3-1 his UFC career. So he has more fights as well. But um, than Alves, he's his, all of his eight, well, not all of his eight wins in the UFC, but he has eight wins by submission and three by uh, TKO or knockout. Um, or no, he has three TKO or knockouts losses in his career. So three out of his five losses have come by knockout. Whereas Alves isn't, he does have two finishes by my knockout or TKO, but he has seven submission victories. Um, back to Marais, uh, he actually lost his last fight versus Anthony Rocco Martin uh, by decision. Uh, and I think uh, Anthony Rocco Martins actually proved himself from beating Marais that he's a legit guy. I think he might have fought once since then, but uh, you know this should should be a good matchup. This is one of is it two three? This is one of three fights where it's a Brazilian versus Brazilian. So we'll see who the crowd roots for. Um, you know, as the fights come along for these uh, Brazilian versus Brazilian uh, fighters. Uh, as far as the betting odds, Alves is a minus 135 favorite, and Marais is plus 115 uh, underdog, so close betting line there. And then give the odd to Alves. Uh, the featured early prelim is between Luana Carolino and Priscilla Cochiera. This is one, one of two women fights and both of these ladies are from Brazil as well so we got back to back Brazilian versus Brazilian uh, matchup here uh, Luana 6-1 uh, overall in her career Luana Dread Carolina is 25 years old she'll be making her UFC debut uh, she was on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series Brazil 3 uh, she got the win there um she has two, well, she has three finishes overall, two by TKO or knockout, one by submission. Uh, so she finished half her fights, and this is at women's 125 division. Um, so we'll see some, this is a non-ranked matchup in the 125 women's division, so that's pretty cool. It seems like, uh, you know, since the 125 division was created, they've had some people that, you know, were kind of on the outside looking in at the belt at 115 or 135 where their weights 
you know, they were kind of in-betweeners, but the 125 division didn't exist. But now that it does exist, um, seeing, you know, them fill out the division and fill out the ranks. And as far as I can remember, this might be the first women's flyweight fight that I haven't seen a ranked matchup. Um, don't quote me on that, but I don't know. But uh, back to the notes, motherfucker. Uh, Carolina, and yeah, as far as Priscilla Gachiera, I hope that's how you say it. Um, she's 8 and 2 overall in her mixed martial arts career. Uh, her nickname is Pedrita, so Priscilla Pedrita Gachiera uh, equals lost. At least that's what came up. When I googled it, I wasn't sure what it meant, so I just googled it, and it said, like, I googled Pedrita, meaning in English. Um, and they were saying it was lost, not like, I don't know, kind of like how someone's lost mentally, not like the physical, um, you know, being lost uh, in, like, the woods or something, but... I don't know. That might just be... Uh, I think that's lost in translation. It's got to be something else than just lost. Um, as far as her, though, as far as Priscilla, she's 30 years old. Uh, she's actually 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, and she lost her last fight versus Molly McCann. Um, out of, so she was undefeated before she came to the UFC then. Um She's had four TKO or knockout wins, so she finished half of her wins by knockout or TKO, uh, and she's had one submission loss. And I'll be rounding out the early prelims. To get started on the prelims, we have a great fight, I, I guess, uh, between old heads, between two veterans, and I'd say for sure both first ballot UFC Hall of Famers, definitely BJ Penn. And I say, how can you not make Clay Galita uh, a Hall of Famer. Um, as far as Penn, he's 16, 13, and 2 overall in his career. Um, so overall, his record is doesn't even seem that impressive, but it's I believe that's because he's been on a losing streak for a while. He's on a six-fight losing streak. Um, the prodigy, I guess, is no longer the prodigy, but he's still BJ Penn. He's 40 years old. He lost lost his last fight versus Ryan Hall in the first round by heel hook. Um, You know, but this man made his UFC debut at UFC 31, man. That's just insane. And since he's been in here, yeah, he held the title uh, for a while, for a little bit there. Um, But he's 12-12 now in the UFC. As I said before, he's on a six-fight losing streak, and that's since 2011, I think, was his last win. Um... With that being said, he's a huge uh, betting underdog. He's plus 500 in this matchup. Whereas Clay Guida is minus 700 favorite, who's uh, 34 and fitting. Uh, this is a 155 division. Uh, Clay the Carpenter Guida is 37 years old. He's fighting out of Jackson Week MMA out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I believe. He made his debut at UFC 64, so a while ago, not as long ago as uh, BJ Penn. You know, I I started rewatching. Uh, I'm not gonna rewatch all the UFC fights, but at least all the like number ones, all the like pay per view ones. Um, and I'm around like 40 or something now, I think. 
Um, but I remember seeing BJ Penn and pop up at 31. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, so maybe I'll say that one day about UFC 64. I see uh, Clay Guida. Um, he's 14 and 12 in the UFC. Um, and he actually lost his last bout as well versus uh, Charles, Charles Oliveira uh, by round one guillotine back in June of last year. So he's had a little time off, and these two veterans, in every sense of the word, are are um, going to go at it. Penn will have a two-inch height advantage. Reach is the same, though. Um, we'll see how this plays out. I bet a little money on BJ Penn just because he's just fucking such an underdog, and like, come on, he can't win seven, or he can't lose seven in a row. Um, but I don't know. I think I literally bet five bucks. And I think when I bet, the odds are a little more in his favor. So it was like five bucks and I went like $30. It's like shit. I might put a hundred bucks on it and be a fucking millionaire. Not really. but um, The next fight is the second women's fight of the night. It's uh 135 pound division. Bantamate. Bam, Bantamate. <laughs> Bantamweight. Uh, between Irene Aldana and Benji Correa. Um Irene is 9-4, and four, and she's ranked number 10 in 135, where Betch is ranked number 12 in the division. Um, Irene is 31 years old. She's 2-2 two two in the UFC, but she is on a two-fight winning streak. She's had seven finishes overall, two by submission, and... Five by knockout or TKO. So she's finished seven out of her nine victories. Uh, Betch the Pitbull Correa is 35 years old. Uh, she's 4-3-1 in the UFC. And she last fought and lost versus Holly Holm back in June of 2017. So it's been about a year. It's been almost two years since she's last fought. Um, she was undefeated, of course. I believe 12 or 13 and no. Until she fought Ronda Rousey and lost, and Ronda knocked her out in the first round. After that, she faced some stiff competition there. Um, as far as betting odds, Irene is actually a minus three thirty favorite. I haven't seen her fight, um, and Betch is plus two sixty uh, underdog. Just looking at their like silhouette and their body frames and the little matchup they have on the website on ESPN. Um, Irene looks like the well, she is the taller, lengthy fighter, and she just she just looks more athletic. But she has four inch height advantage and about a three and a half reach advantage over bitch. Uh both orthodox. Um so I think this will be a classic you know, distant striker versus like a brawler uh matchup. And should be exciting. Uh, the next fight is between Diego Moises and Kurt Hollibaugh. Is this the first U.S. fighter on the card? Yeah. Kurt Hollibaugh. Um, Diego Moises. Moises is 12-3. and three. This will be at the 155 uh, lightweight division. Um, Diego is 24 years old. He trains out of American Top Team. Um, he's actually from Dane White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, uh, Brazil 3. He got a win by first-round knockout on that. Uh, he did lose his USA debut, but he fought against Benil Dariush back in November of last year. So, I mean, you can't blame him. 
Dylan Dariush is legit as they come, uh, especially the stack 155 division. Is Dariush even ranked? And if not, that's crazy if he's not top 15. Um, Thiago Mozais is a former RFA champ, uh, and he's had, I don't even know what RFA stands for, but it's a uh, smaller, I guess, regional organization somewhere in the world. Um, it might even be the Russian League, now that I think about it. Um, but he's had eight finishes out of his 12 wins. Um, three of them by K- KO or TKO, and five by submission. As far as Kurt Holobaw, Holobaw, I don't know how to say it. I don't know why that's giving me trouble. Um, but he's 17-6 overall in his MMA career. Uh, his nickname's Pitbull, so everybody's nickname's Pitbull, I guess. Which uh, is a dumb name. Why would you want to be named after the singer Pitbull? I don't think he's that talented. But um, Kurt is 35 years old. He's 4-3-1 in the UFC. Oh, that's not him. That's why. His nickname isn't the Pitbull. I'm reading off the wrong line. <laughs> But Kurt Hullabot doesn't have a nickname. He's 32 years old. He's from the Contender Series Season 1, Week 1. And I didn't say if he won or lost, so I'm guessing he was just on there. But he's 0-2 in the UFC. He's a former Titan FC champion, um, and he actually lost his last fight for Shane Burgos by round one armbar. Um, but if you watch the fights last weekend, Shane Burgos fought. Fuck, who did he fight? I got here right in my notes, don't I? Bum ba dum bum bum Shane Burgos. Oh yeah, Shane Burgos fought Cub Swanson, who was ranked number ten, and he beat him decisively. Even though one idiot judge scored it all three judges in Swanson's favor, which is crazy. But uh was I getting it? yeah, Burgos is legit. Um Kurt Holobon though is O two in the FC. Uh he was thirty two years old. Um so this is a huge fight for him. I'm guessing Diego Moises is not is no slouch. You know, 25 year old guy coming out of good training camp, an American top team. Um, he's already been there with a the killer in Benil Darius. So he's felt what that he's felt what it's like to be the nail on the biggest stage. So, and he's fighting in his hometown of uh, Brazil. Uh, as far as betting odds, this is minus 125 in his favor, Tiago's favor, and plus 105 in Kurt. Um, as the underdog. So I think I'll probably end up parlaying with Ice uh, with other people that I think will win. Uh, so I don't, I don't know why, just everything I just said, I, I just convinced myself that Tio Mozaice is going to win. <laughs> but uh, to round out the prelims, and as I said earlier, I'll take a little break after here. Um, we got... Rogero Noguera, Monitor Noguera, Big Nog, I believe, 42 years old, 6-5 and five in the UFC, but he did win his last fight versus Sam Alvey uh, by a second round TKO slash knockout, I don't exactly remember. He does have 8 finishes by knockout or TKO and 6 by submission, uh, so he can finish in multiple ways, 23-8 and eight, if I didn't say that before. And this will actually be a two five light heavyweight division. Ryan Spann, sixteen and six in his career. Uh, he is 
Ryan Superman Span. That's not a bad nickname. 27 years old, trains out of Fortis MMA out of Denver, Colorado, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, he's on a currently a five-fight five win streak. Uh, he won his last fight by decision versus Luis Henrique back in September of last year. Uh, throughout his career, he's had 10 submission victories and three uh, by TKO or knockout. Um, so he's finished 13 out of his 16 wins. Uh, as far as betting odds, Nogueira is a plus 120 underdog and Span's minus 140. Uh, Span will have a 3-inch height advantage, a 4-inch reach advantage. Uh, Nogueira is soft paw, though. So I think uh, just going based off Span's uh, submission victories in his pass, I think he'll be fine if it goes to the ground. And I think he'll just be the longer, more athletic, fresher, and younger guy. I mean, it's a 27-year-old versus 42-year-old. Uh, but Nogueira's been there for the longest time. He's fought the best of the best. Um, so you can't ever count him out. I think I might parlay Span into this as well. So feeling decently confident just on the age gap. And I know I shouldn't. Age is just a number. But fight game, it's a young man's game. With that being said, although I am kind of feeling it right now, I'm also hungry. Um, so I'm going to take a little break here because I said I would. Uh, so though those of you that didn't want to hear what the fuck I was just talking about don't even know what I'm saying right now. But uh, yeah, take a little break, play a little ad, obviously skip through that. <laughs> and um, yeah, see you on the main card. And we back. Uh, main card. We'll be starting at 10 o'clock p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, and that is pay-per-view, only through ESPN+, Plus, unfortunately. Um, I don't think I said it before, but early pre- the early prelims, the very first uh, fights are on 6.15 uh, Eastern Time on ESPN+, Plus and UFC Fight Pass. The prelims are at 8 p.m. Eastern, and they're on ESPN+. Um, then, as I just just said, the main card will kick off at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on pay-per-view. Uh, the first fight for the main card is between Francisco Trinaldo, who's 23-6 and six and ranked 15th uh, currently in the 155 lightweight division. And he'll be facing off against Diego Fiera, who's 15-2. and two. Uh, Francisco Masaranduba. Trinaldo, uh, and I believe that nickname Masa Randuba is, when I Google it, I don't know if it's the exact translation, but it said it's a Brazilian forestry, uh, so I'm assuming it's some kind of Brazilian forestry, and he's tough as a tree, and maybe he has really good kicks. I don't know why I think that, but <laughs> um, but Francisco Trinaldo is 40 years old. Uh, he did win his last fight versus Evan Dunham by a second round TKO back in September of last year, September 2018. Um, he's also had wins in the past. First, Jim Miller, Paul Felder, Yancey Mierdos, Ross Pearson, and Chad LaPriest. Um, and he made his UFC debut all the way back at UFC 147. Um, and that was back in June of, 20, of 2012. I was going to say 20,012. That's not it, you silly fuck. Um, 
for some reason the website's not showing that fight anymore. Oh, it's off. Oh shit. I just came out three hours ago. Um so the fight I just I uh, was just about to talk about, Diego Fiera and Francisco Trinaldo is off. Uh this is coming from Mark Raymond Raymondi from ESPN. Is off the card due to Diego Fieri health issues, early indication that it could be kidney stones. Blah blah blah. Though says Fieri still undergoing tests. So now Irene Aldana and Betch Correa move up to the pay per view main cards, I believe. Yeah, I spoke about that before. Um, so are they moving? Because there's one. One, two, three, four. There were four fights on the prelims. There's still four fights, but who did they move? Who did they move from, like, the lower card, did they? Oh, yeah, they did, because there's only three fights for the early prelims now. Okay, so the Warley, Alves, and Sergio Marais fight has been moved up to the prelims. Uh, which probably should have been moved up anyways. Um, so that will be after the BJ Penn Clay Guida fight to kick off the prelims. The early prelims only have three fights now. Talita Bar- Bernardo uh, versus Vivian Arajoyo. Uh Rayoni Barcelos versus Carlos Hachin. And Luana Carolina versus Priscilla Cachiera. Uh, then prelims will start with BJ Penn, Clay Guida, Warley Alves, and Sergey Marais move in after them. Don't be Diego Moises versus Kurt Hollibaugh. And then Big Nog versus Ryan Spann. Uh, so then to start the main card, it's actually will be Irene Aldana versus Betch Correa, which I talked about previously. Um, then after that, so I guess let me mark that off my, my sheet here. I'll just get that out of here. That sucks. Uh, I hope Diego feels better. I hope uh, he gets his health issues looked after and they get it corrected. Um, sucks for Trinaldo, 40 years old, as I said. Um, so it sucks when a guy pulls out. You know, how much fighting do you have left if you're 40? But it is what it is. Uh, the next fight of the night, uh, I guess the first one I'll talk about. Uh, as far as the main card goes, it was between Tago Alves versus Moreno Staropoli. Uh, Alves is 28 and 13 in his career. Staropoli is 8 and 1 overall. This is in the 170 welterweight division. Um, Tiago Pitbull Alves is trained out of American Top Team down there in uh, South Florida, I believe. He's 35 years old. And he made his UFC debut all the way back at fight night number two, which uh, if you've been paying attention or listen to the last recap or preview episode, I believe it was UFC fight night like 151, I believe. So Alves was all the way back on UFC fight night number two, and that was back in October 2005. Um, overall in his UFC career, he's 15 and 10, so he's had 25 fights in the UFC, whereas Starpolis had nine professional fights overall. Uh, Alves did win his last match versus Max Griffin by decision. Um, Starpoli, Lee Lori, Loriano, Pepe Starpole, 
trains out of Invictus MMA out of uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. He's 26 years old. Uh, won his UFC debut in his only fight in the UFC uh, to date. He's had five. He's had seven out of his eight finishes. Seven. He's won out of eight of his wins. He's finished seven of them. <laughs> Jesus. Um, five of them by TKO or knockout, and two by submission. As far as betting odds. Uh, straight up, currently minus 110 for both these guys, so it's a pick em right there. Um, so if you feel one way strongly or another, you have to put down a decent amount of money to the... I mean, not a decent amount of money, but you have to put down a little money to get a decent return for it. Um, I, I'd say that's probably probably even. I haven't seen Staropoli fight, but if they're matching up versus Tago Alves, they must think he's uh, he's got some skills. That can kill. So, as that, and then, you know, after this fight, we get into the fights that are most exciting. And honestly, this fight, um, this third to last fight, the fight before the co-main event, this is the one I'm most looking forward to. Um, it's between Jose Aldo and Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, it's going to be an amazing fight. Aldo's 28-4 in his career, currently sitting at the number one contender spot in the 145 featherweight division. That has Max Holloway as the champ. Aldo, obviously, his last, was his last two time? No, he's got wins since then, I believe, 11. Yeah, he fought, uh, let's see, yeah, Aldo's actually on a two-fight winning streak. He last fought Hinato Moicano and Jeremy Stevens, knocked them both out. Um, before that, obviously, he fought Max Holloway t- two times in uh, two uh, incredible performances by Max Holloway, where he just looked head and shoulders above uh, Jose Aldo. But Aldo's still sitting at that number one contention spot. So, I mean, if he gets another win, especially versus an up-and-comer and, you know, a dominant guy in Volkanovski who hasn't lost in a while, uh, it'd be hard to say that he's not next to line for another title shot at Holloway. But uh, we'll see how this fight turns out. Um, said Aldo, even though he's been around forever, uh, he's actually still only 32 years old. Uh, he has been in a lot of fights, a lot of wars, so a 32 might actually be like 38. Uh, but he, if you watch his last two fights, he still looks on top of his game and he can go, you know, and beat anybody in the world in his division, maybe besides Max Holloway. Um, but obviously, if you know or follow the sport at all, you know Aldo's a legend, first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. He essentially owned the featherweight division until Holloway came around. and Well, until Conor McGregor knocked him out in 13 or 14 seconds, whichever it was. Uh, before that, he had an 18-fight winning streak. Um, and he was a seven, defended his belt six or seven times, I believe. Seven-time UFC champ, so defended him six. Um, before that, he was a three-time WEC champ as well. As far as Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, uh, he's 32 years old, or 30 years old, sorry. He is on currently a 12-fight winning streak and undefeated at 6-0 in the UFC. Uh, he had a coming-out party in his last fight versus Chad Mendez and beat him up and just dominated him from the beginning to the end bell uh, and finished him uh, by second-round TKO back in December of last year. Um, overall in his career, he's had 11 uh, finishes by TKO or knockout and three by submission. 
So he's finished 14 of his 19 wins. Only has one loss, and that was before he got into UFC. I believe that was like in his fourth fight. Um, and this will be a very interesting matchup as far as uh, betting odds go. Aldo sitting at minus 150, and Volkanovski's at plus 130. I am placing money on Volkanovski just because I, I really like his pressuring style. And although Aldo is a beast and he could stand in there with anybody, um, and he's pretty dominant in his style too, I don't. I think Volkanovski is going to make him backpedal and be on his heels for this fight and just uh, and just frustrate him with his ground presence and grappling against the cage uh, and, and overall pressure. I um, Obviously, Aldo can, you know, keep him on the outside and, you know, pressure himself and get in some nice good punches in there. He, he's a very powerful puncher and kicker. Um, and... I'm assuming his ground game's good. I know he's more of a striker, and that's how he likes to finish people, but I feel Volkanovski will just come out there and, um, I don't know, just annoy him, essentially, and just uh, drag him into deep waters, just as he did in Mendez, which we didn't think was possible. Uh, I think Volkanovski's the real deal, and this is the this is his biggest chance of his career. My fault, I dropped my pin. Uh, biggest fight of his career, and if he can get it done, especially in exciting fashion, I'd say he's next up in uh, the face Holloway. Um, I mean, who else is there? They have rankings here. I'm gonna say. Um, I'm just going to look at the 145 rankings real quick, see, I mean, who else would be, would challenge Holloway at 145? Holloway went up 155, couldn't beat uh, Poirier, so I feel like his next step is to defend the belt. Um, Aldo's at one, he's about to fight, and he's about to fight number four, Volkanovski. Ortega's sitting at two, Holloway and him just fought, and Holloway kicked his ass, so I don't think Ortega deserves another fight at the belt. Um, Frankie Edgar, I'm not even sure who who Frankie last who did Frankie Edgar last fight? Um let me see, let me see, let me see. Let me see. Uh he fought Cub Swanson. Dude over a year ago in April. So I don't think he's next in line. He has to fight somebody else. I mean the last one he got was versus Cub Swanson and Cub Swanson just lost to an unranked competitor. I'm not saying that he's bad, but as far as ranking goes, I don't think Edgar would be next. Um, I mean, maybe give him one shot at the title before he calls it quits on his career. I don't know. But they have Honoto Moncano at number five, but he just lost to Aldo, who's number one. There is a beat in there, so maybe he's a beat at number six. Uh, Jeremy Stevens, Josh Emmett. Yeah, so I say either, I think, in my opinion, the winner of this fight between Aldo and Volkanovski, that's the number one contender spot. And whoever wins that gets the next shot. Um, especially if it's Volkanovski. Um, if he can put on a dominant performance versus Aldo, and especially if Aldo does the same. I mean, he's already the number one guy. He already beat a number five and number seven guy currently, and Jeremy Stevens and Honoto Mancano. You know, two legit guys, obviously. Um but it, it's tough to sell a, a third fight when he got dominated the first two. But 
There's nowhere else really to go. Um, it's either that or fight Zabib, which I'm sure will happen sooner or later. But I think Aldo or Volkanovski would deserve it first before Zabib. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how the performances go. And maybe it's a boring-ass fight. And we're like, well, I don't want to see either. Fuck it. Throw Zabib in there. Um, who knows? Um, but I'm really excited for that fight. That's probably the most excited. Uh, that's the one I'm most looking forward to. Not to say I'm not looking forward to the co-main event or main event. Um, but this one, I, I'm as far as contender spots go, and it, if it's obviously the main event, it's a championship fight. Um, but this one actually matters. The co-main event is between two unranked guys. Um, well, they're not unranked. But I guess we can switch and talk about that. Uh, co-main event is between Jared Cannonier, who's number 10 at 185, even though he's only had one fight at 185. Um, he did fuck up David Branch, though. So there's that. Um, and then Anderson Silva, who somehow is still ranked at number 15. Uh, he's still a beast, obviously, but he is 44. So just the fact that this is a 10-5 and five and the fight before it is 1 versus 4. I, I feel like Aldo and Volkanovski should be the co-main, especially considering Jose Aldo's the, the quote-unquote the king of Rio. That's his nickname, and this is in Rio de Janeiro. Obviously, Silva is a fucking star and probably... I mean, he's the biggest star on this card and in a lot of people's eyes, the, the greatest of all time. And I, I'd probably put him up there, either him or GSP or... Um, yeah, those are really my two names, honestly. Um, but I get it. It's it's marketing power and Silva has a bigger name. Um even though Aldo is the king of Rio. And nobody really knows the great Alexander Volkanovsky, but it is what it is. And Jared Cannonier seems to be a fan favorite as well. Um, actually, I haven't seen any of his fights before, so I, I knew his name because like, he seems to be at almost every UFC event because they'll pan to him and show him a, in the camera or like on TV or whatever, and then the crowd just goes nuts. It just goes, ah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I've never seen this guy fight. Why is everyone going nuts over him? Um, but I watched some of the preview uh, content that the UFC put out, like UFC countdown about him. I didn't know, but he actually fought at heavyweight, and he has a very relatable story as far as the uh, United States goes. He had a government job for the FAA, I believe, for about a decade, and just realized, like, his... He's just not happy. He's happy when he's training and fighting. Um, decided to start that up, and now he's doing it full-time. He started at heavyweight. Uh, was knocking dudes out there, and then went down to light heavyweight. He was knocking out dudes, but the guys were still too big. And now he's all the way down at 185, and just looks like a monster. Um, as I said earlier, he in his last fight, he beat David Branch in, a, in the second round by knockout back in November of 2018. Uh, Jared the Killer Gorilla, Cannoneer is thirty five years old, and he is four and four in the UFC. But like I said, um, this will only be his second fight at middleweight. Uh, so all those other fights have been against bigger uh, competition. Um, but he's slimmed in now. He looks shredded, and he still carries that power from that he had in heavyweight knocking out you know guys weighing two sixty. He still carries it down at one eighty five, which is just crazy. Um, 
but he, he definitely has his hands full and Anderson despite a Silva but Spida is 44 years old, but if you watch his last fight versus or, uh, the last style bender, Israel Adesanya, he still looked like Anderson Silva. Um, he was just facing kind of a clone of himself that was younger and just more more accurate and sharper and more athletic. Uh, but Silva held his own, and he still looked like he, he belongs in the UFC at least. I don't know about you know fighting for the belt or anything like that anytime soon um, or ever again, but... He's, uh, I mean, he's still one of the greatest of all time, and he could still do it. And if anyone can do it at 44, it's him. Uh, you know, back during his title run, he did win 16 fights in a row in the UFC, which I believe is still a record. That's just insane. Had 10 straight title defenses. I believe that's a record. Um, as I said before, he lost his last fight versus Israel Adesanya back in all Australia. Um... And yeah, as far as betting odds, Cannoneer is oh, excuse me, minus one thirty five favorite, and Silva sitting at plus one fifteen currently. Um, if you're curious, I'm you know starting this weekend, I, I'm gonna start placing my my bets on you know each event. I'll post them on my Twitter page at Kyle High Club. I think that's what it is on Twitter. At Kyle High Club. It's either at Kyle High Club or at Kyle High Club 420. I don't know. I have 10 followers. I don't even know. Okay, so it's at Kyle High Club 420. Um, Only 10 followers, but it's been cool seeing like some people or, you know, other smaller individuals that are starting their own podcast or MMA fighting series have started following me so that's kind of cool uh, just like a community of people growing together um, so that being said um, we got the main event and that's it left obviously <laughs> uh, between Rose Thug Nami Yunus and Jessica she have a nickname Bate Estaca Andrade, and of course I didn't look that up, so let me Google that right now. <sighs> Whoa, pile driver. <laughs> so from Portuguese to English, it comes out as pile driver. So Jessica, pile driver, and Um Rose Thug Namunas is currently nine and three overall in a professional career, so that's pretty amazing. Um, relatively young in her professional career, only 12 fights, and she beat the greatest strawweight of all time in mixed martial arts, and Yona Yanjegchik knocked her out in the first or second round. Um, can't remember. But then, you know, came back and had an immediate rematch and defend, uh, defended her belt and beat Yolanda decidedly in all five rounds. I don't know about all five rounds, but she beat her on all three judges' court cards. It was, if it wasn't all five rounds, it was four out of the five. Um, but she proved that it wasn't a fluke and pretty much cemented herself as the greatest strawweight on the planet by beating the greatest strawweight on the planet, you know, the greatest strawweight in history as far as UFC and mixed martial arts go overall. Um, so Rose is proves she's the real deal 
she's 26 years old. She has had six submission wins, so that could potentially play a role in this, in this, um, in this bout. But I'm kind of hesitant at it because Andrade is great top game and top pressure and uh, is very strong um, down on the ground. So I feel like. I personally feel that Rose's best chance to win is to keep it at her distance, stay patient, um, keep Jessica away from her, use her, use her arm reach advantage and her leg reach advantage to keep her away, keep her away from um, getting in and landing heavy shots to the body or head or the hooks um, and just, um, you know, kind of just put on a almost like a Floyd Mayweather performance and defensive effort and and just get hit while the opponent can't hit you. I think that's her best chance of victory. Again, if she she gets taken down, maybe she can get her an arm bar or a choke or triangle or something like that, or maybe get her back and choke her out. Uh, we'll see. But... <coughs> oh, bless me. Sorry. Um, but as far as Jessica Andrade goes, she's 19-6 from professional career, so she's got the experience advantage. Uh, currently ranked number one in the 115 women's uh, strawweight division. Um, pile driver, as I said, she's 27 years old, so both ladies are still relatively young in their in the pro fighting, you know, range or whatever. Um, she, believe it or not, I mean, I, I I believe it, but Andrade used to be used to fight at 135 in bantamweight division back before there wasn't a 125. Um, but the girls are a little too big for her. And the girls, at least height-wise, are still big for her at 115. But when she's down at 115 and drops that extra 20 pounds, she's so much more powerful and stronger than pretty much everybody in the division. So I think that that's the biggest key for her. She needs to get on side, inside on Nami Yunus, you know, maybe throw some feints and counter her, use some good head movement to the left or right, sway out of the, uh, the straight punches of Nami Yunus and come over either underneath or over top with, with some hooks or overhands. Um, I could see her finishing Rose and knocking her out, just like um, she did to Karolina Kolakiewicz in her last fight. Um, Andrade is 10-4 in the USC overall, and she's currently riding a three-fight winning streak versus Karolina Kolakiewicz, who she locked out in her last fight in the first round, which is one of the cra- probably the craziest knockout I've seen at least that I can remember from um, one fifteen women's division, you know, not too many uh, women are knocking girls out at that at that weight class, um, and Andrade is knocking them out like like she's a like it's a man fighting a woman. Uh, it, it's um, it's scary. It's like Amanda Nunes scary power at one thirty five. Um, but uh, she has also beat Tisha Torres before that and Claudia Gadelio, all top uh, contenders in the division. Um, as far as betting odds goes, Rose is actually a betting underdog at plus 100, and Andrade is close, sitting at one, minus 120. Uh, so it's close in the betting odds, and I don't know which way it's going to go. I feel like I would give the edge to Andrade just because she's so powerful and tough. I know Nami is this real skilled, level-headed, and if she keeps calm and collected like she normally does, she should have the, not even should, she does have the technical edge in this matchup, uh, probably the athletic edge, the flexibility edge, and just overall probably the edge as far as skill goes, but Andrade's power is something that's 
um, you know, something to be afraid of uh, and wouldn't be a surprise if she connected with a, one or two hooks and put out rows pretty quickly. Um, but then again, I wouldn't be surprised if went the distance and Rose pointed, you know, outpointed her in the entire fight. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I look forward to it. Um, should be an exciting matchup. It should be an exciting main card and fights overall from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, for UFC 235. Or 237, sorry. Um, and that's really all I have to say. I did want to touch base on uh, PFL. Because that was on yesterday, Thursday night, on ESPN Plus and ESPN, I believe, or ESPN2. I forget which one. Uh, but it was pretty cool. It's the only... I never watched PFL before, didn't know anything about it. But I got an email saying, oh, the PFL, you know, season debuts tonight. Watch it. I'm like, shit, well... You know, the Red Sox, uh, my baseball team weren't playing. Uh, there is some NBA playoff games going on, but I honestly don't watch them because you already know who's going to win pretty much. Um, but, yeah, so it was Thursday night I was bored. I was like, fuck it, I'll watch it. And what I really want to talk about is is the format. I really, really dig the format. Uh, as I said, it's the only mixed martial arts organization with the season, literally a regular season playoffs and the championship. So they start it, and it's kind of like how soccer does its seasons. Um, so like in soccer, like the European League, or I think of most leagues in the world, you know, two teams play each other. If you win, you get three points. If you draw, you get one. Um, and if you lose, you get zero, obviously. Uh, and then whoever has the most points in the division at the end, you know, I think they do some playoffs or format or something, and then they, yeah. But as far and then they do the championships, blah blah blah. But as far as the PFL goes, it's pretty similar. So people fight, you know, two guys or two ladies fight. Uh, whoever wins gets three points. If you lose, you get zero. If it's a draw, which is rarely happens, you'll get one. And they give you bonus points for finishes. So if you finish it in the first round, you get three bonus points. So you can have up to six points total from one fight. If you finish it in the fifth round or second round. You get two extra points, so that'd be five altogether. If you finish in the third round, you get one extra point, that's four points. And then over the course of the season, whoever has the most points, uh, well, they take the, it's not the most points wins, they actually take the top eight in each men's division and top four in each women's division, and then they do a playoff based on this, on the seeding, uh, which I, I think is, I think it's pretty cool because instead of, you know, you know, matchmakers decide who does what and where and the public pressure of, oh, we have to sell fights and pay, you know, meet the needs for, you know, so we got to sell X amount of tickets, blah, blah, blah. we got to put big names out there so the public pays attention. I think the way they're doing is pretty cool, at least, especially as for the fighter and for the fan standpoint, I guess, too. But, uh, you know, all you... All you got to do and worry about as a fighter is win. Win and you're in. If you just keep winning, more than likely you'll be in that top eight, top four by the time playoffs roll around. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when playoffs roll around or like how many how many uh, fights guys or girls get in between now and, and the championship. And the championship is going to be on New Year's Eve, uh, so December 31st for all six weight classes. Um it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, essentially, if you just keep winning, you know, you keep getting those three points, you win, you'll eventually, 
you know, you'll be at the top of the ladder, face the number eight or number four girl, and, you know, work your way through the, the seating. I think it's a really cool setup. Um, I'm curious how the seal will look. You know, they just started this regular season, quote-unquote, in May, beginning of May, and then they're supposed to, you know, do the regular season and then the playoff formats of eight or four fighters and then do a championship all before uh, New Year's Eve. Um, I know it's, I guess we have seven months until then, so I guess that's a lot of events, and then they're having their next event, I believe it was May 24th, so about two weeks from now. So that if they have an event every two weeks for seven months, I have about 14 events. I don't know. Yeah, so I guess I'm just a little curious about how the timetable goes. And I'm, I'm going to keep watching it, um, especially it says they're all on Thursdays, I'm pretty sure. It says they had a cool Kevin Hart commercial that he was doing with PFL and wearing the gloves and shadow boxing to the camera. <laughs> And just being him, his hilarious self. Um, why did I bring that up? Oh, he says it said Thursdays are for are for PFL fights or something like that. So they're really trying to mark you that Thursday for PFL. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I'll be watching. They got me hooked after the first round. Obviously, or after the first week. Obviously, don't know any of the fighters' names, but just the format in itself. And then they had Randy Couture and Eve Edwards in there commentating, and whoever the play-by-play guy is. Um, I didn't know who he was, but he seemed knowledgeable himself um, and very professional, so it was a cool broadcast to listen to. Um, and I look forward to that and really look forward to these fights tomorrow. Can't fucking wait. Um, hope you can either. I love all you motherfuckers, anybody that's listening or pays attention at all. Um, love you. Appreciate the support. Later.